Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM Louisville. Also streaming worldwide at forwardradio.org. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 366. Today's topic is the Nord Stream Pipeline. Let's start with a statement from the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, on the UN vote to support peace in Ukraine. This statement was issued on January 23, 2023. Just for context, an explosion occurred in the Nord Stream pipeline in September of 2022, several months before this statement, and then about four weeks after this statement, it was released, a report was released by legendary reporter Seymour Hersh that said the United States did this. But let's see what uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan has to say about the UN vote to support peace in Ukraine. It says, nearly one year after Russia launched its brutal and unprovoked invasion of Ukraine, 141 countries from every continent and every corner of the world issued a powerful call for a comprehensive, just, and lasting peace in Ukraine in line with the principles of the UN Charter. By overwhelmingly voting in favor of the UN General Assembly resolution today, these nations stood firmly in support of the rules-based international order and spoke with one voice to demand Russia's full, immediate, and unconditional withdrawal from all of Ukraine's territory. A year into this conflict, the international community remains steadfast in upholding our shared values, including the principles of sovereignty, independence, and territorial integrity that are the foundation of the UN Charter, and accountability for violations of international law, including Russia's war of aggression. Today's vote was an overwhelming demonstration of support for Ukraine and a clear defense of freedom for people everywhere. So this is the National Security Advisor of the United States issuing a statement that echoes the 141 nations that issued a powerful call for a comprehensive, just, and lasting peace in Ukraine This occurred after months of denials on the part of the United States that they had anything to do with the explosion that resulted in the disabling of the Nord Stream pipeline that flows from Russia through the Baltic Sea to Germany. But here's an article from legendary reporter Seymour Hersh released on February 8th. You can, you can get it free on Substack, How America Took Out the Nord Stream Pipeline. The article reads, Last June, Navy divers operating under the cover of a widely publicized midsummer NATO exercise known as BALTOPS, that's for Baltic Operations, BALTOPS 22, planted the remotely triggered explosives that, three months later, destroyed three of the four Nord Stream pipelines, according to a source 
with direct knowledge of the operational planning. Seymour Hearst goes on to write, Ask for a comment. Adrian Watson, the White House spokesperson, said in an email, This is false and complete fiction. Tammy Thorpe, a spokesperson for the Central Intelligence Agency, similarly wrote, This claim is completely and utterly false. Seymour Hersh's article said President Biden himself gave the order for this to be done. This is not a rogue intelligence operation. This is direct orders from the president, according to Seymour Hersh and his sources. Hirsch writes, President Biden and his foreign policy team, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, Secretary of State Tony Blinken, and Victoria Nuland, the Undersecretary of State for Policy, had been vocal and consistent in their hostility to the two pipelines. In other words, before the explosion, they were saying that this pipeline cannot be allowed to continue, and after the explosion, they were all but taking credit for it. Victoria Newland was in a, in a Senate committee testifying in response of a question from Senator Ted Cruz, and Victoria Newland said, I think you'll agree with me, Senator. I, I, I think you'll, you share my gratification that the Nord Stream pipeline is a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea all but taking credit for, the, for it. Here's an article from Alan McLeod, Mint Press News, from February 15th that says, Media ignore Seymour Hersh's bombshell report on Nord Stream 2. And that's part of the problem. The media are ignoring this for partisan reasons and for reasons of empire. Partisan reasons because of a loyalty to a political party and empire loyalty to the corporate and nationalistic empire that is the United States. They're just not talking about it because they don't want to make their president look bad. This is Hart Hagen. You're listening to The Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. They're not talking about it in Congress, and they're not talking about it in the media. But here's what Alan McLeod has to say. It says, based on interviews with national security advisors, Hirsch, the journalist who broke the stories of the My Lai massacre, the CIA spying program, and the Abu Ghraib torture scandal, claims that in June, U.S. Navy divers traveled to the Baltic Sea and attached C-4 explosive charges to the pipeline. In an interview with uh, Ralph Nader, Seymour Hearst says, this was enough explosives, uh, explosives to blow up a corporate office in downtown Manhattan. It was a major amount of explosives. This pipeline is made out of you know, rolled steel, uh, reinforced concrete. It's about a meter and a half in diameter. This thing is huge. And when it exploded, all of that natural gas for the entire length of the pipeline came out of the pipeline, up through the ocean, and into the air. Alan McLeod writes that by September, President Biden himself 
ordered its destruction. These uh, Hirsch's article says President Biden himself ordered the destruction of a pipeline that it, and in so doing, it's not only an act of war against Russia, another nuclear power, but it's an act of war against Germany, our ally, with friends like us who needs enemies. And it's an act of war against Germany because the natural gas was flowing from Russia through the Baltic Sea to Germany. McLeod writes, According to Hirsch, all understood the stakes and the gravity of what they were doing, acknowledging that if caught, it would be seen as a flagrant act of war against their allies. So it's an act of war against an undeclared enemy. We haven't declared war against Russia. Congress has not authorized a war against Russia. And it's also an act of war against our allies. NATO is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Germany is part of NATO. And here we are bombing vital infrastructure of our allies. McLeod writes, despite this, corporate media have overwhelmingly ignored the Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter's bombshell. A Mint Press News study analyzed the 20 most influential publications in the United States, according to analytics company SimilarWeb, and found only four mentions of the report between them. On the one hand, I want to say, imagine the furor and the indignation that would uh, have occurred if Trump had done the same thing. On the other hand, the Democrats and the military-industrial complex and the CIA, the intelligence community, and the media never had a problem with Trump being militaristic. They were usually attacking him for not being militaristic enough. Here's an article by Graham Fuller, February 16th, 2023, entitled Implications of of U.S. Destruction of Nord Stream 2 Pipeline. Because there's multiple Nord Stream pipelines. There's one and there's two. And to make it a little more complicated, Nord Stream 1 has two parallel pipelines and Nord Stream 2 has two parallel pipelines. So when we talk about Nord Stream 2, we're talking about two pipelines within that moniker. So Graham Fuller writes a few a few thoughts. He said, I condemned the Russian military invasion of Ukraine and indeed any government that launches a war, including President George W. Bush's invasion of Iraq. But he writes, my belief that the Russian invasion was nonetheless far from unprovoked, but rather quite clearly provoked by Washington in its long-standing willful insistence on pushing NATO's armed alliance ultimately right up to the very borders of Russia, where ancient Kievan Russian cultural roots are deeply linked with early Russian Orthodox Slavic civilization. Now, the issue he's addressing here is the issue of, you know, if Russia is totally and completely at fault here and nobody else is at fault, then, you know, pull out all the stops. 
including illegal acts of war. I mean, we do that all the time anyway. But uh, Graham Fuller is saying, look, it's not that simple. This war was provoked. NATO expansion is a thing, you know, if, if imagine if the tables were reversed and Canada and and or Mexico had, you know, Russia had missiles pointed at the United States from Canada and or Mexico or Cuba, for example. I mean, this happened 60 years ago. We had a conniption fit when uh, Russia had a military presence in Cuba that was unacceptable, but it's the exact same thing just with the tables turned now. When uh, we have, you know, uh, missiles on the border of Russia that could reach Moscow in five to seven minutes, and we're acting like they ought to be okay with that. This is clearly a provoked war. Furthermore, back in the late 80s and early 90s, when the Soviet Union was coming unraveled, the Berlin Wall was coming down, Gorbachev told Reagan and then later Bush, yeah, you can reunify Germany, but no more NATO expansion. And the Secretary of State Jim Baker and George H.W. Bush and the whole entourage assured Gorbachev that no, we will not expand NATO one inch to the east, but yet they've expanded NATO and expanded NATO. Clinton expanded NATO. George W. Bush expanded NATO. And, you know, NATO keeps expanding. That is aggression. That is us getting way in their space, and they have legitimate concerns about that. Plus, the government of Ukraine has been bombing and shelling ethnic Russians in Crimea and the Donbass in the east and the south of Ukraine. You know, under any other circumstances, we would say, they're bombing their own people. They're not allowed to bomb their own people. That's our job. Only we're allowed to bomb their own people. But the, you know, the, the, you have the ethnic Ukrainians who are in the center and the west. You have the ethnic Russians who are in the east and in the south. And when the government of Kiev since 2014 has been bombing the heck out of uh, ethnic Russians in the east and in the south, we're supposed to be okay with, I mean, you know, Russia is supposed to be okay with that. So the overwhelming evidence is that our president and the White House have committed war crimes and have ordered war crimes to be committed. Nobody is talking about it because of careerism, because of loyalty to a party, because of, you know, because of loyalty to the military industrial complex that writes their checks. You know, the Democrats aren't talking about this. The Republicans aren't talking about this. McLeod goes on to write, but whatever the pros and cons of NATO expansion, there is little doubt that Washington has triumphed in the information and spin battle in the Western media, hands down. All mainstream media parrot the same Washington narrative. 
an extraordinary media unanimity in a supposedly independent Western press. And that's the thing. You know, Noam Chomsky calls it the free press, in quotes. This is the free press. It's, it's, not, it's not free from the people that pay their bills. They do the bidding of the people that pay their bills. They do the bidding of, the, of their owners. They do the bidding of their sponsors. And they do the bidding of their sources, including powerful people in government, and if you're going to do the bidding of Congress people, for example, you're not going to go, uh, you're not going to have a serious critique of the military industrial complex or empire or endless wars or wars of aggression or war crimes. You're just not going to have a serious critique of any of that if you want to keep these government sources talking to you. Unless you're a really good um, reporter like Seymour Hersh, who is really not ideological. <laughs> he just believes in doing good reporting and telling the truth. And Hirsch points out that these people are talking to him frequently. They'll have the attitude, look, I took a, a, an oath of office to support and uphold the Constitution, not the president. My loyalty is to the Constitution not the president. And when I see unconstitutional things going on, I'm going to tell a reporter about that, especially if it's a good reporter who is going to re protect his sources like Seymour Hersh. Now, let's look at this article. It's the U.S. as a climate leader. So this goes back to early in the Biden presidency. It's from the Brookings Institution. It says the U U.S. action is the linchpin for successful international climate policy. This is why I wouldn't give you a nickel for most of the climate policy that comes from our federal government or state and local government for that matter. They're just not interested in doing a good turn for the climate or the water or the wildlife. It's just all theater. It's smoke and mirrors. It's just a show. But this is the Brookings Institution, a kind of a left-leaning establishment liberal think tank in Washington, D.C. It says, four years of, absen of U.S. absence from the global climate community including global climate negotiations and international efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, have left a big gap in international leadership and credibility. In this context, the reaction in the global climate community to Joe Biden's election as U.S. president has been overwhelmingly positive. Now, think about that for a minute. This is a president who ordered the destruction of a pipeline that poured many tons of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. And this is supposed to be an example of somebody who can implement good climate policy. To me, it's an example of how differences between these two parties are all but immaterial. Uh, leading up to the election, Biden-Trump 
uh, election in 2020, there were people, including the Sierra Club, that were saying the Democratic Party is the only party if you care about the climate. Well, I knew at the time that was nonsense because I've been looking at federal climate policy for four years, and I see what both parties are doing to the forests, the waterways, uh, I see how both parties are bought by Wall Street, both parties are bought by the war machine, and there's just no material difference between the two. So I knew that going into it, but this is a perfect example. You have a, uh, you know, the Democrats are supposedly the party for climate, and you have the, the Democratic president ordering a war crime against a nuclear power. Hey, let's try nuclear war. Let's see how our climate is if we have nuclear war, and you have a president surrounded by neocons, and neocons love to blab. This is Hart Hagen. You're listening to The Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. Neocons love to talk. Neocons love to take credit. Neocons love to just kind of strut and say, look what we did or look what we're going to do. This is Victoria Newland. This is Bill Crystal. This is uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. This is uh, President Biden. President Biden said out loud that if Russia invades Ukraine, the Nord Stream pipeline will not continue. A reporter asked him, how is that going to happen? And Biden said, believe me, we will be able to do it. In other words, believe me, we will be able to stop the pipeline. And they did. They did with explosives. According to Seymour Hersh, enough explosives to blow up a corporate headquarters in downtown Manhattan. So here's an article from Clean Energy Wire. It, uh, the article is entitled The Environmental Impact of Nord Stream, published on September 27th, 2022, which is five days after the explosion. Before we knew who had done this, Here's just an assessment of the environmental aspects of the fact that this pipeline has exploded. Clean Energy Wire writes, Leaking methane from the damaged Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines is likely to lead to significant climate damage, Germany's Federal Environmental Agency has said. According to calculations by the agency, the leaks in the pipelines connecting Russia with Germany that were found earlier this week might lead to methane emissions with a climate-damaging effect equivalent to 7.5 million tons of CO2. When you get into millions of tons, that's a lot. We're not talking about thousands of tons. We're not talking about thousands of pounds. We're not talking about millions of pounds. We're talking about millions of tons, with every ton being 2,000 pounds or 1,000 kilograms. So it says, this corresponds to 1% of Germany's annual greenhouse gas emissions. So take an entire country, and this pipeline explosion has resulted, uh, has increased Germany's entire annual 
uh, greenhouse gas emissions by 1%. That's a lot when you're talking about 1% of an entire country. It says this calculation was based on estimated information on the fill level and volume of both pipelines. Given that there were no sealing mechanisms, it's likely the entire contents of the pipelines will escape into the atmosphere, the UBA said. The UBA is Germany's Environmental Protection Agency. It says, while the Nord Stream pipelines were not currently delivering gas to Germany, both pipelines were filled with natural gas under high pressure. Methane, a primary component of natural gas, has been flowing into the Baltic Sea since the leaks were detected on the 26th of September. And then methane is a greenhouse gas that has, according to the IPCC, it has 30 times the global warming potential of carbon. So volume for so per unit of volume methane is much more potent than carbon dioxide I've got about four minutes left from here on out it's just commentary it's just me talking so let let me leave you with some things to think about so this is why i have little confidence in the government such as it is to do anything positive for the environment I believe in government. Government is something good to have, but the government that we do have currently is so nefarious, so deceptive, so power-hungry, so self-interested, so bought and paid for, that it we cannot rely on it to do anything good for us. Job number one ought to be downsizing government, wresting control of government from the corporations that own our government fully, 100%, the, the, the powerful interests that own our government. As long as they are controlling government for their own purposes, then it's not going to be for our purposes. We don't have, currently, we don't have government of the people, by the people, for the people. We have government of the wealthy, by the wealthy, for the wealthy. We have government of the corporations, by the corporations, for the corporations. I like that version of the American flag where instead of stars representing states on the flag, each star is the logo of a corporation because that's the reality of what we have. And in that context, it doesn't do anybody any good to be partisan. It does, it's, I'm talking about the, the main two bought and paid for corporate parties, Democrats and Republicans. It doesn't, if you're a regular person and you think either one of those parties is on your side, then you're mistaken. If you think either one of those parties is, uh, cares about you, you're mistaken. If you think they are going to do what you care about, you're mistaken. But here's the thing. If you're a Democrat, they have trained you to think that your problem is those Republicans, especially the little guy, especially though, you know, those 
supposedly think of all the stereotypes that Democrats have of, of Trump voters. They've created a boogeyman in your mind and they've made you think that that boogeyman, that your neighbor is the reason for the problems in this world, but it's not your neighbor that is the reason for the problems. The reason for the problems is these powerful institutions, including the political parties, that are bought and paid for by corporations that financially and legally, they have a mandate to enhance their short-term profits and increase their share value. That's what they're about. They're not for you. They don't care about you. I wish I had better news, but I'm trying to give it to you straight. The least we can do is stop lying to each other. The least we can do is stop believing lies and stop lying to each other. That's why I'm here. Oh, look at the time. Bye now.